0: Lord Jesus, as we take this time to study your word, we pray for the inspiration of your spirit uh, that you would open our hearts to receive from you today. We ask this in your name. Amen. I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. I am the vine and you are the branches. Let's set the stage a little bit here. This passage is right in the middle of what's called Jesus' farewell discourse from John's gospel. He and, him, he and the disciples have had the Last Supper. Judas has left, and now they're getting ready for Jesus' final teaching before Jesus knows he's going to suffer and die. The disciples don't realize that. But often in the ancient world, you said the most important stuff right before your death, and, and John knows that as he's putting together his gospel, He's constructed the gospel in this way. And so he stops and gives us five chapters on the foot washing, uh, on the Last Supper, on the teaching of our life with God. And that tells you it's worthy of our attention. So Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's using a, a vivid word picture to describe our relationship with him that uh, both for his disciples, but for also for us today, as believers, we're meant to be connected organically to Jesus and actually abide in him. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But there's another theme that I want to touch on here that's worth noting, and you've probably heard me say time and time again that uh, to really grasp the New Testament, we need to understand Israel's scriptures. And in the Old Testament, the vineyard was often a symbol used for Israel. They were God's covenant people. Uh, so I want to read a passage from Isaiah 5, verses 1 to 7, where, uh, god this is God speaking, Yahweh describes his beloved Israel as a beautiful vineyard. Now this is Isaiah 5, I'm going to read verses 2 and 7. It says, He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And so God plants the vineyard, and the vineyard is this picture of Israel, of his covenant chosen people, and he looks for it to produce its fruit, but it doesn't produce the fruit he's looking for. He's looking for right relationship, for covenant faithfulness, for, for justice and righteousness, and instead doesn't find it. You may remember this when Jesus uh, goes um, to the temple and uh, meets, sees the fig tree on the way, right? We, I remember we preached on this, and and so he, he basically curses the fig tree because it doesn't have figs, and then he goes to the temple and shuts down the worship and the, all the procedure in the temple. And basically the analogy is that Uh, The tree and the temple, uh, the tree has lots of leaves, the temple has lots of activity, but neither are producing fruit. God is looking not just for a busy spiritual life, but actually the fruit of abiding in him. Um, There's no real fruit there. Our lives can look like this, and we can have lots of leaves going on, right? We can look very healthy and successful on the outside, but if we're not abiding in Jesus, if we haven't given our lives to him, there's no fruit of living in the love of God. And so in Isaiah um, and in Jesus with the fig tree, what happens is Israel has failed in their covenant with God. The result is a divine judgment. And that's what's going on. As Jesus says, he's the true vine. Uh, He is inviting us to connect organically to him, to find our life and our hope in him. And if we don't connect to him, we will wither and die. We will not be full of life at all if you want to be with the one who is faithful to God here he is it's Jesus and by saying he's the true vine um, and that those who follow him and abide in him will produce the fruit of the life of God Jesus is saying I'm the true Israel I'm the vineyard that Israel couldn't be that they were never able to be I'm the true vine the father is like the vine dresser from Isaiah 5 tending the vineyard Israel was found fruitless, but those who abide in Jesus will bear fruit, which is the fruit of life, of joy, of love, of hope, and of trust in God that moves out into the world and calls others to Jesus. That's what's going on with the vineyard image. Jesus is saying, I am, he's, he's taking um, God's divine name, from Exodus and attributing that to himself, his own divinity. I am, but I'm the true vine. He is the truth. He is the only way, as Pastor Velma talked about last Sunday. But he's also the vine. He is going to fulfill the mission that Israel never could fulfill on its own. And through him, uh, there's going to become blessing to the nations. It's also about the ultimate sufficiency of Jesus for our lives, to meet your needs and my needs, right? Jesus is about to to go through the crucifixion, the resurrection and the ascension. He's about to go off to heaven. The disciples will be left on earth. How are they going to continue on without him? How will they be, uh, what what, what will help them in the mission? When Jesus has provided everything for them that they've needed, Um, they're going to continue on by abiding in him through relationship through faith through the infilling work of the holy spirit right now there's lots of other vines that we could connect to folks isn't there we can be attached to our own identity it's especially true if you're deep in social media and you've started to find your identity and your likes and your your retweets um, and your shares but that's not a true measure of your identity you can also be attached to certain relationships right we can define ourselves by relationships in our families Do, uh, i know um, some folks uh, who are very troubled, they've ended up attaching themselves to certain people and, and sort of sap all the life and energy from people. Uh, and it's, it's an unhealthy thing, But or, or we can define ourselves by those certain relationships as opposed to our relationship with Jesus. We could also be defined by our own wealth or status, right? These are false vines that compete with the claim of sufficiency. That say, if you attach your life and yourself and your identity to this or that, you will live the good life. You will find fruit. You will feel a sense of abundance. But these offer only meager satisfactions compared to the sufficiency of life in Jesus. There's a call here. To choose who you will be connected with, Jesus or someone or something else. And notice how deeply personal and relational this is. We're called to abide in him. There's a mutual love that we're called to participate in. And so I just want to, you know, do you know you're beloved by God? That he just really, really loves you as you are. He doesn't love your sin, but he really, really loves you. <laughs> Just as he's made you, he loves you. And even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you while you were still in your sin. Do you get that? Right? Right? It's not based on what you've done or what you haven't done. God didn't evaluate your performance and then choose to love you or not, right? So think about what happens with Jesus' baptism. Jesus, before he does any sort of ministry, any sort of healing, any sort of teaching, God just announces his love over his son. You're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Our our identity, our belovedness in Jesus is not based on what I do for him. I don't earn it, right? Your beloved by God first. It's for you he died. It's sheer gift. And now in response to that, I am called to uh, uh, choose to abide in him and to live out my life uh, in obedience and enjoy because of what he's done for me at the cross. And so my identity is not based in various roles I have. My identity is based first and foremost in who I am before God. And that is someone that he loves and that's what, God, uh, that's what God tells us in Jesus. Is that the God you know? If you don't know that, uh, maybe you think, I want to know that God, you know, then, then today would be a good day for you to become a Christian. <laughs> God loves you and he calls you out of your sin and death and into new and eternal life. And that's what's being told here in the abide with me. It's about knowing God as the source of our being and our hope. And it means continuing on in a daily personal relationship with God. I uh, well, so what are the implications of this, right? We're told to abide in Jesus. I have this bizarre thing that happens with my phone. Um, when I try to plug in my phone, uh, it's a whole it's a whole ordeal. I have to I, it's really I have to I plug it in, and I know it won't work. I, I always have to plug it in and then flip the thing and plug it in again and then hold it slightly, it's ridiculous, hold it slightly to one side to the left, and then it will tell me it's beginning to charge, right? Um, It it just doesn't work well unless I kind of do all this stuff um, to then connect to the source. And I just, I I wonder today how much dirt and grime has gotten in our lives uh, that keep us from connecting to Jesus the vine, that keep us from abiding and hearing the voice of God? Am I, am I connected to or abiding in a bunch of things uh, when I need to be abiding first and foremost in Jesus? And I think what's so great about this call to abide in him is, is that we must remember that as people, we're actually made for this. We're made in God's image. We were made to abide in the very life of God. You were created with the capacity for this. You're designed to be able to abide in Jesus. That's how he's made you. And when you come to Jesus, you don't just get your sins forgiven, though that's wonderful and that's great, but God wants to come and live in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. God in you, guiding your life. That's what salvation's all about. It's a new life in Christ. And of course, that's why Jesus uses the vine metaphor, right? It's an organic metaphor. Uh, you need to be properly attached to the source of life to to, uh, produce the fruit. Otherwise, you're kind of done, right? Rowan and I went and, and pruned a bunch of trees in our yard. We clipped here and there in order to help them grow, right? And I love what it says here is God's ways are, God's ways for us are good. It's to produce more fruit. That's God's heart for you. And that might mean trimming back some of your own desires and some of our own agendas that are not in sync with what God would want for us. Not in sync with who he is. What did Jesus say to the, the rich, rich young ruler? Remember this? Jesus says, there's a rich young ruler who comes and wants to follow him. And Jesus says, you need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, does that mean that everyone who follows Jesus can't own anything? No, 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 no. Of course not. But Jesus gets right to the guy's heart. He's abiding in his wealth. And Jesus would say, you can't serve two masters, but you got you to make a choice, right? And for you, it may not be wealth. It may be something else, something else that you abide in besides him. And Jesus will get right to the heart of that thing. And he wants to trim out whatever's there, right? So what about you? What's going on in your life that's maybe keeping you disconnected from God? Something that needs to be trimmed out, right? And the, and the invitation is to come and to abide in Jesus, it's simple as that. That's my message. Come and abide in Jesus. He loves you. He gave His life for you. If you want to know the One who is all sufficient for your needs and to see you through whatever is going on in your life, His name is Jesus. He's the true Vine. He's the One who is the source of life and hope for us. And He's the One who calls us uh, to abide in Him even today. And so I want to close. That's my last sermon for you. Um, I want to close with that that message, uh, to abide in Christ. This summer, abide in Christ. Every day choose to put God first in your life. Take the time to connect with him, to read his word, to be in prayer, to seek the fellowship of other Christians who can encourage you in your walk. Don't. Uh, there's no kind of Lone Ranger Christian call in the Bible. We're called to live this out together. Abide in Christ in no one else. My soul is satisfied in him alone. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we just thank you for all that you have done for us and your great love for us. And Lord, we pray that as we head into this summer, summer comes, as I go on this sabbatical and as our, our church family continues on, um, lots of projects on the go, different ones preaching. But Lord, at the end of the day, Our heart is to abide in you. That's our our mission and our goal is to be found abiding in you, Jesus, and inviting others to come and to abide in you. Lord, I just pray right now for my friends. If there's any here who are listening who feel they've been plugged into something that's not of you, plugged into someone other than you, something other than you, and they just say, today, I want to abide in Jesus. I want to abide in Jesus. Lord, would you come and do that work in our lives, setting us free from sin and death and making your home within us. As we repent and believe, Jesus, you come and and, and begin to clean out our hearts, forgive our sins, and set us free. Lord, would you do that work in each of our hearts, and our lives, in our families, in our marriages. Lord, we want to live for you. We want to uh, be found faithful and fruitful. We want to uh, encourage and be a... a Uh, those who uh, speak the life and love of God in our neighborhood and in our city Lord I just lift up this church family you know that uh, each one is dear to you Lord may they know that uh, they are beloved and that you uh, love when we take the time to abide in you as the source of our life and being Lord bless each one today who's taken time to uh, join in on this service Lord, we pray that you would continue to give guidance, direction to our various leaders in government, um, civic authorities, Lord, that you would see us through uh, this COVID-19 pandemic well. We thank you that things are moving in the right direction. We pray, Lord, for peace and rest for each one who's feeling the weariness and the tiredness of uh, the restrictions. Lord, I pray that if we are uh, connecting too much, to the noise and the anger and the bitterness and the, uh, the rudeness of comments that we see on the news or on TV or especially online. Lord, uh, help us not to abide in that, but to abide in you. Lord, would you continue to make us uh, alive and refreshed by your Holy Spirit so we can live out your truth with love in uh, our city. Help us to do that, Lord, we pray. We thank you that you are alive and well, and we know that you are working things out for your good and for your glory. Lord, bless your people today, I pray. Thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, uh, thank you for uh, your love and your care and your appreciation of me and my family as we head out on this sabbatical. Uh, Bless you. This summer, Uh, do stay connected with the church. Stay connected with this Bible study. Josh and and the the folks at Eston are going to be awesome. Really encourage you to plug into that. Connect with Brian if you're interested. And uh, keep an ear out on our newsletter and website. If regulations change, we'll let you know if services are going to change for now. We're just staying online. But as uh, things continue to roll out, we'll see what happens. So, before I go, let me send you with this benediction. Children of God who are loved and forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ. May you abide in the vine. May you remain connected to the source of life and hope, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Friends, I do love you. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.